the wedding banquet, one of the most dramatic and perhaps powerful parables of Jesus. A parable about a royal wedding feast. And we firstly must understand the context and understand the setting. Uh, where are we? Well, what, what part of Jesus' life and ministry? Who's around? We're in the, the, the final days of Jesus' life. On Friday, he will be crucified. On Sunday, he will raise again from life. And most likely, we're dealing with Wednesday. Could be argued, but we're not going to get caught up with that today. And for three years, Jesus has been preaching and teaching the good news of the God's kingdom. He has been proclaiming himself as the Son of God, the Messiah, the Saviour of the world, and offering himself and offering his kingdom to the people of Israel, the chosen people of God. And this time now has ended and the people have rejected him. And the religious leaders have rejected him. But not only rejected him, they have been hostile towards him. And even now are plotting his death. And in this final week, Jesus heads to Jerusalem for the Passover festivities. And stays in Bethany first with Lazarus and Mary, Martha. And a huge amount of people are descending upon Jerusalem. And a large amount of them come to to Bethany to hear and see Jesus. Jesus, as we know of Palm Sunday, rode into Jerusalem on the donkey. And the hosannas and the hallelujahs of the people hailing him as the Messiah and Saviour. They were hoping for the, for the, the military messiah, the one that would overthrow the Roman Empire at the time. They thought the prophecies were speaking of that time, 2000 years ago. Jesus would set up his kingdom. But he didn't attack the Romans. In that week, he went instead to the temple. He went to the Jewish temple and he cleansed the temple. The money changes. He threw the tables. And he attacked the Jewish religious system. And then Jesus went away and came back. And now that it's been cleansed, he comes back to the temple to teach in these final days of his life. And a tremendous crowd gathers and the people are listening. And the the religious leaders are there. And they're feeling threatened because Jesus speaks of an internal righteousness from God that is to change our heart and mind and the way that we live. He speaks of a true salvation that these leaders know nothing about 
with their external self-righteous religion. And they are threatened. It's a threat to their personal power. It's a threat to their system. And in this process, in these final few days, in this process of moving about in the temple and teaching, in chapter 21, verse 23, that they attempt to trap Jesus. And they stop him in his tracks. What is it, what authority do you come with this teaching? Show us your credentials. Who gave you the authority and the approval to throw, flip the tables in the temple with the money changers? Who gave you the right to speak this message contrary to the traditions we hold? Bitter, angry and hostile are these religious leaders. And Jesus' answer to them is a trilogy of parables. We haven't looked at those first two, the the parables of the two sons and and then the parable of the tenants. Um, And and I encourage you that you'll be blessed to read them. But this is the third parable in the trilogy, in chapter 22, verses 1 to 14, we just read. And these three parables are simply reduced down to a statement or a couple of statements. Is that you, Israel, have rejected me. All of the Old Testament prophets have spoken about me. All the miracles I've done to validate that I am the Son of God. I have shown to you that I am the Messiah, but you have consistently rejected me and now God rejects you the table has turned and there is a focus on judgment and this morning I want to try to get through to four scenes in this parable the first scene is that the invitation is rejected. The invitation is rejected. It's a story, verse 2 says, about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus continuously talks about the kingdom. Uh, People want to distract and talk about other things. But Jesus constantly brings it back to the kingdom. What is the kingdom of heaven? In short, it it is the space that God reigns and rules by his grace and his character and and offers salvation and the church we are to be a or an expression of this kingdom on earth and it is a kingdom that is for eternity and right now we are all invited into this kingdom by faith in Jesus and so Jesus says well the kingdom of heaven It's like a certain king who made a wedding feast for his son. So Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. This is what it's like. A wedding feast. A wedding feast back then 
would go for about seven days. Um, a wedding in our culture now, as we understand it, is about four to five hours. Uh, if you've ever gone to a reception centre uh, and told them you've got a wedding, you automatically, the menu goes up by about 30%. It's the same menu, <coughs> but it automatically goes up. And you wouldn't be able to afford seven days at the wedding reception placenta. Four to five hours, we cap it. But back then, seven days was normal to go into someone's house and and feed them and care for them and celebrate together. And if it was a king, it could go on even longer. A wedding made by a king for his son is the wedding for to beat all weddings. We can... I think we can slightly understand and, and grasp the the the, uh, the greatness of such a wedding feast. Um, I, I'm not sure if you were, were, were hooked on looking at, uh, I think it was 2018, um, uh, uh, oh, I forget the name, Harry and Megan, how, how could I forget? Uh, I know in our household, Rach and the girls were, uh, had the TV on, it was like a, a special wedding night and dinner and whatever and watching everything and taking it all in. Well, maybe it was William and Kate, 2011, 12 years already. Or if you're older than me, you might be thinking back to when you watched Charles and Diana on the TV, 1981. Can you believe it? <clears throat> and, you know, many would have... Many would have given anything to be invited to one of those three weddings to be at the feast, to be part of it, rubbing shoulders with the royal family, getting the best of the, of the, of the food at the celebration, being seen on TV, being known as one to be at the party. People were sleeping in the streets just to have a look at the royal family as they go past in these weddings. And this is a wedding feast thrown by a king and Jesus is identifying to the people this, he's talking about the greatest celebration that you could imagine in this culture. And the kingdom of heaven is like this. A celebration thrown by the wealthiest person imaginable for the most honoured person imaginable. And so in verse 3, he sent his servants, the king, to those who had been invited to the banquet. They didn't have watches and clocks back then. Maybe a sundial. But things were different. It wasn't easy to prepare for a wedding. It took time. And so in that day, there would be a a, a preliminary invitation that would go out. People would get an invite, and from the text we understand they have accepted it, 
Um, but there would be a time coming when the servants would come and say, okay, now is the time. You've been invited, but now is the time to come and celebrate. And you can imagine that in that, receiving that preliminary invitation must have been a time to boast and brag. I'm an honoured guest of the king. We are, we are heading into the royal celebration. We're just waiting for the servants to come and we are going to rub shoulders with royalty. The wedding to end all weddings, the big grand celebration. So excited. And when the moment comes, the servants say to these people, it's time to begin. And they go out to collect the already invited ones. But unbelievably, it says in verse 3, they would not come. It seems ridiculous. We're talking about the greatest of celebrations. And those who have been invited are waiting for the servants, but they're saying they won't come. And you can just see, imagine the, the gasps in the crowd as they would say, what on earth is this story? This can't be real. Can you imagine being invited to a, a royal wedding and not going? And then you start to realise the religious leaders are starting to have an impact on their heart about where is this story headed? Because nobody in their right mind would do that. Say, no, not coming. But as Jesus goes on, we're talking about a gracious king. Because the king's response is, well, I'll send more servants in verse 4. Tell them again. Go back to the same people. Come unto the wedding banquet. It's all ready. Everything is prepared. Now is the time. Accept the invitation and come. Verse 5 says, again, they paid no attention. They had zero interest. The the Greek word there for that, it, it means to be unconcerned. Zero interest. There was selfish preoccupation with their own priorities and agenda sees them forfeit the experience of the grandeur and the glory of the celebration. And is such an insult to the king. One to his field, another to his business. But it gets worse. There's another response. The the rest took the servants and mistreated them and murdered them. I mean, what's, where is this parable headed? It just is getting more unbelievable as Jesus goes on. The 
They killed the servants who came to tell them that the feast is ready. Outright hostility is added to the responses. There is the unconcerned response, the people with zero interest, and then this response of outright hostility. And both responses reflect rebellion against the king. What does all this really mean? Jesus is speaking about the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, where where God rules and reigns by his grace and his love and his character is revealed. And it is a community of the redeemed through the offer of salvation through Jesus. The place of divine blessing. And the king in the story is God and the son is Jesus Christ. And this great banquet is the kingdom. And he's calling people to come. And he's calling the invited guests who are the people we just saw in verse 3 and 4. And they are at this time the Israelites, the Jews, God's chosen people, already have been invited as his chosen people. They were chosen and God wanted to use them to tell the world about his goodness and his faithfulness. And the servants that go out to call the invited are the prophets. The current preachers like John the Baptist and Jesus himself. People that the Jews have rejected. That they have become hostile to and even murdered. Which they do to Jesus himself in just a matter of days. As the preachers go out. As Jesus speaks of the kingdom, there is zero interest from some. Unconcerned with the truth. Those that we read about who are preoccupied with their farm and their work. Can you imagine? Oh, the feast is ready. You've been invited. Now is the time. No, no, I've got work. Now I'm going to head off to the farm. Secularism is to have zero interest in the truth of who God is. People preoccupied with materialistic things, a priority placed on the physical rather than the spiritual. They find satisfaction in the pursuit of wealth and possessions. But there is another response apart from the response of unconcerned. There is the hostile response. And I suggest that false religion has and will continue as we even see today. False religion has a not a zero inches but a hostile response to the truth of who God is.
And so when Jesus came and God called his people Israel, the invited people, to a glorious celebration, there were some who had zero interest, unconcerned. I'm fine with where my life's at right now. Happy to go back to work. And there were the false religious zealots, the elitists who were hostile. By what authority do you bring this message? Who do you think you are to flip the tables in the temple? The invitation was rejected. And do you think those Jews knew that they were being spoken to, that they were in the story, the parable? I think they did. If you go back to Matthew, in between the second and the third parable, Matthew 21 and verse 45, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he spoke of them. It was hitting home. They knew. They couldn't escape it. The invitation rejected. Let's go to the second scene. The rejectors of the invitation, the rejectors are punished. Verse 7, when the king heard of it, he was angry. He had been gracious, but his servants had been murdered and he's angry. And he responds in anger. The murderers will be destroyed and their city burned up. I'm not going into it today, but there's a prophecy that speaks of AD 70 in Jerusalem. Very dramatic. Why in verse 8 is the wedding feast is ready, but those who are invited are not deserving. They're not worthy. Why aren't they worthy? Is it because they're not good enough? Is it because they are immoral? Because they haven't done enough good deeds. No, they weren't worthy. They weren't deserving because they wouldn't accept the invitation. They wouldn't accept it. That's all he says. They would have been worthy if they would accept the invitation. But they rejected, they were unconcerned. Oh, they were hostile. And today, Jesus extends to you an invitation to receive forgiveness for your sins. Jesus extends to you an offer that is, of a gift that is the most valuable gift in the whole world. There is an invitation for you this morning to God's kingdom, to be part of it. Not just for while your time here on earth, but we're talking about for eternity. 
And it's not based on whether you are worthy. It's not based on whether you're good enough. It's not based on how good you have been or how many mistakes you've made this week. It's based on will you receive the invitation? Will you accept it? Or will you say, no, I'm actually unconcerned with the invitation? I've got a young family. I've got parents to look after. I've got a busy job. I've got lots going on. Life is actually okay. And maybe in your heart there's even hostility. Experiences with the church. Experiences with other Christians. I don't even want to contemplate what Jesus is offering to me today. The invitation is rejected. The rejectors are punished. And we come to the third scene in verse 9 and 10. The new guests are invited. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. Wow. Everything's ready. I've put all the time and effort in. I've prepared everything. The greatest wedding of all weddings. It's been rejected by those who were invited. So now it's going out to everyone. And this is representative of the Gentiles then to you and me now today, the church and the nations around the world. And you see in verse 10, the servants went out to the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. Oh, it's so easy to put people into boxes, isn't it? The good and the bad. They didn't head out looking at certain people and what clothes they were wearing or where they were located or what they were doing or what colour of skin they had on. No, it wasn't you're worthy but you're not or we'll invite you. No, invite them all. Because your worthiness and deserving of being in the kingdom at this celebration isn't about who you are or where you've been but will you accept the invitation? Because it's gone out to everyone. Will you accept the invitation? If you do, oh, you're deserving. You're worthy. You come. (coughs) The reason we exist here at Monty, you've heard it and you've probably seen it. It's up there right now. To give everyone in this church and our wider community the opportunity to know and follow Jesus. This is based on the the great commission that Jesus gave his disciples. 
for the time until I come again, go into the world and tell people about the good news. There is an invitation for all people to believe by faith in Jesus for forgiveness of sins. That the Holy Spirit will come into your life and transform the way that you think and live. And that you are then brought into the kingdom of God. That gives you a a purpose for this life beyond anything the world can offer. And it gives you a seat at the table of the kingdom for eternity. Everyone is invited. God isn't seeking out the moral, the inherently good, but those who will accept the invitation. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Uh, I'm not going to get to the fourth scene of the guest not wearing the wedding clothes. We can talk about that another time. Just finish with this. In 1 Corinthians 6, verses there talk about those who won't inherit the kingdom. Okay. Sexually immoral, idolaters, prostitutes, homosexuals, thieves, drunkards, slanderers, swindlers. Have we all been covered here? Why won't they inherit the kingdom? Are they not good enough? No, it's because, you see, living those life, that lifestyle is saying no to the invitation. Saying that I don't see anything wrong with living like this in the words that are described in 1 Corinthians 6 is saying I'm unconcerned with the invitation. And perhaps even hostile to the invitation to the kingdom. Not because they're not good enough. They've made mistakes. You see, because Paul goes on to say in verse 11, this is what some of you were like. Past tense. but you've accepted the invitation of God's grace and salvation. You are called now to a a new life, a new way of thinking, with a new purpose. Romans 12, their famous words, in view of God's mercy, in light of, of God's invite, 
to his kingdom through faith in Jesus, by his grace. In light of that invitation, don't go on living as you once lived. But be transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit living now in you to change the way that you think and live. He calls the good this morning. Jesus is calling the bad, if that's the way you look at yourself, if that's the way you look at your family, if that's the way you look at your husband, your wife, maybe we have judged people. Don't give up because Jesus' invitation of salvation is for everyone, the good and the bad. The invitation is for everyone. But will you accept it? Will you accept it? Our Father in heaven, thank you that you love the world so much. You didn't give up on us. You didn't destroy us. But you sent Jesus Christ to come and die for our sins. What love is this? Thank you for a new life. Not one where we are perfect, but where we are forgiven and empowered to be a holy people. Oh, and we look forward to the day when Jesus comes again. Where there is perfection. And where we will stand in awe for eternity of our Saviour, our Lord and our King. May this spur us on to not live as we once have lived, but be transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit. We give you thanks and praise this morning, our Father in heaven. Amen.